Hello, everyone. It's great to have you back this week. We'll be continuing this week with our multi-part series, The End Times. This is part three of our series. As always, I encourage you to dig into God's Word on your own, spending a little time each day with the Lord, praying and reading His Word. But also, I encourage you to continue following us over the next few weeks for more insight and biblical guidance on the things that have happened, are happening, and will happen in the future. We would love to continue helping you get stronger in your faith with the Lord. As part of today's prayer moment, I would like to encourage you to pray for God's continued guidance. In particular, to ask Him for help so you are able to understand what His truth is according to His Word. I encourage you to pray for wisdom and for more of His Holy Spirit in your life so you are able to understand when God is speaking and not speaking. There are many things that seem like the truth out there. There are many people that profess to speak on God's behalf, but when you really dive down into what is being said, it may sound like the truth, but it's not. We're living in very difficult times and we cannot base ourselves on our own opinions and even less on those things that simply are not true, no matter how appealing or spiritual or correct they may seem. We have to keep in mind that God is the ultimate judge of wrong and right, and we need to make sure we're living our lives the way He says we should and not in a different way that does not align with His truth. We'll get more into this in a bit. So let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, uh, we praise You, we worship You, Lord God. I give You thanks for Your goodness, for Your love, for Your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, I, I pray, Lord God, that You please forgive my sins. And I pray now humbly, Lord God, that You may guide us through Your Word, through Your Holy Spirit, that you may give us wisdom, Lord God, that you may give us more of your Holy Spirit, O Lord, to be able to see things more clearly, to understand what is true and what is not true, to be able to decipher, Lord God, between the lies and all those different things that are floating around, Lord God, that Satan wants to use to be able to misguide us and mislead us, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may help us, O Lord, to have a heart that really, Lord God, is careful with this stuff that we really pay attention to what we're listening to, and that more importantly, that we look to please you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we continue with our series, The End Times, today's scripture reading can be found in both of the letters written to Timothy. As part of the message, we're going to be seeing more prophecies fulfilled with regards to the end times. And as part of the fulfillment of scripture, we'll look into the issues involved with what is true and not true. This is by far the greatest sign of the end times that we can see plainly in today's world. If you want to follow along, our reading today can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and also in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Again, our passages are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, where it says like this, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables." Through these passages, we can clearly see that we really need to be careful with what we listen to. Not everything is God's truth. 
In today's Christian society, there are thousands upon thousands of people that profess to speak the truth of God. There are thousands upon thousands of churches in different places throughout many countries in the world. But just because something has a label of being Christian, or whether someone or a group of people profess to be followers of Christ, does not necessarily mean that things are what they should be. Is it all good? Nope. Is it all bad? Of course not. But we need to understand what is true and what is not true for our own sanity and for our own good. Like we mentioned before, it is far too dangerous to follow or believe something that does not align with God's truth because we may live our whole lives following something that is false and will be judged on that very thing that is wrong. This is truly serious business. The first thing we need to keep in mind is who our enemy is. Satan is ultimate evil. There is absolutely nothing good about him, not one thing. So when we're dealing with Satan, we have to be mindful of who he is and what he is capable of. When you understand the nature of something, then you understand what it's capable of doing. So if we understand Satan to be all evil, then you understand that he is capable of any kind and form of evil. And in the same manner, if he is incapable of any good, then he only wants to bring you death and destruction, plain and simple. He has no good intentions for your life and for those around you. The Bible explains that Satan is the father of all lies, and in order for a lie to be powerful, it has to sound convincing. It has to sound like the truth. Now, here is another aspect that is absolutely necessary to understand. Many people think that sin is something blatantly wrong, like killing someone. Most people think of sin like something that is awful in the eyes of society. The reality is that the word sin means to miss the mark, like in the sense of aiming for a bullseye and you quite did not hit it dead center. It simply means that something or someone is not on target. So to sin or to err simply means to be off by a bit. You're not perfect and that's it. So sinning is quite easy. Sinning is actually the easiest thing any human being can do because it's in our nature. Now, if you understand who Satan is and what sin is, then Satan's job is very easy. All he has to do is just get you off target, just by a bit. Think about it this way, and we might get into a little bit of physics here. Very simple concepts though. Let's say a billiard ball, like the ones that you're used to play pool, is rolling a certain direction straight into one of the pockets of the pool table. The only thing that needs to happen to take the ball off its trajectory or course is for something to just tap it in any kind of direction and not with a lot of force. Once something affects the course of the ball, it is very likely that the ball will not make it into the pocket. It will either bounce off the sides, off the back, whatever, but it simply won't make it in. So Satan just has to nudge you a bit. And after that nudge, the direction is changed. And the farther you go down the path, the farther and farther away you get off course. If you understand these concepts, then you should become fearful. You should worry because it's super easy to take you off course. Because remember, Satan is going to try to appeal to the very thing that is within you. He is going to try to appeal to your carnality, to the sin that still lives within your flesh, your sin nature. So whatever he does, it will be attractive, guaranteed. The other thing we need to keep in mind is that in order for a lie to be good, 
or a good lie per se, it needs to be convincing. And in order for a lie to be convincing, then he will use the word of God to accomplish his task. We see this very example when he tried to tempt Jesus himself, the only begotten Son of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, we read this. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. This was the second instance in trying to tempt the Lord, and he is using scripture to do so. Now, Satan was taking from Psalm chapter 91, verse 11 to 12, and this is what it says. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. What Satan was saying versus what is actually written sounds very close. But if you dive into the details and see the overall picture, you can see the differences. The first thing is the context, which is the big picture. Psalm 91 mentions someone on a path or a way, which is the very part he cut out of the verse where it says to keep you in all your ways. So he took it out of context because walking down a path has nothing to do with someone jumping off a building. And secondly, he blatantly eliminated a piece of the scripture. This directly correlates with his thief characteristic because he's a liar and a thief. So, if you are not sharp on what is actually written, you will be easy prey. The other aspect to bear in mind is the appearance of things. Those that portray themselves as ministers of God's word will try to have an innocent and attractive appearance. They will be quite subtle. If Satan tries to tempt you, he will usually not show up with the pitchfork and a tail and some horns and a foul stench. He's going to look attractive. And those that mean to do his work will also look attractive and nice and kind and all kinds of other things that may seem attractive to you. And of course, he will use his actual getup if you're into those things also. He would ever do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to make you veer off the path. Second Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 13 to 15 teaches us this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are also, or they also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So he will always use something or someone that is attractive and enticing and subtle. Whatever he thinks that may work on you. Now, what are some of the misconceptions that Satan has used to get people off the path? Well, the first big one is that you don't need to repent from your sins in order to be saved. And that God accepts you just as you are and that you will, and that's all you have to do is believe. That is pretty demonic and attractive, because who likes to admit that they have done wrong? I don't think anyone is like, oh, yeah, me, me, I screwed up. I've done bad things with my life. I don't think so. Most people like to hide the sin in their lives, and most people like the idea of not needing to feel bad for what they've done wrong. And least of all, saying, 
please forgive me. And of course, most people would love to continue living life like they want without any kind of change and still get into heaven. The truth is, is that repentance and conversion is 100% necessary in order to have Christ come into your life. And that means not only saying you're sorry, but also turning away from your sin completely, from all of your sin, not just the bits and pieces you want to leave behind or where things went wrong, and converting with all of your heart to Jesus. If repentance were not necessary, then John the Baptist's ministry was all for nothing, and that is clearly not the case. John prepared the way for the Lord, just like repentance and conversion prepares the way for Christ to come into someone's life. Also, the Bible teaches us that we need to have fruits worthy of repentance, which means that you have not only changed through and through, but that your life is showing that complete change. If you used to steal, through the grace of God, you stop stealing. If you used to run around and cheat on your wife or husband, you stop doing that completely. If you slept around, whether you were in relationships or one night stands, that all stopped as well through the redeeming power of Christ. Not because you decided to turn over a new leaf, because a lot of people can display a certain amount of willpower. We're not talking about willpower. We're talking about God's transforming power, the power that can change and transforms lives almost inexplicably and forever. If you used to use drugs or abuse alcohol, although there are varying degrees of alcoholism, that all should have changed because God transformed you. I think you get the picture, right? There are other popular lies out there like the good old health and wealth gospels where they teach you that God guarantees you perfect health and that you will be rich and prosperous if you follow God and, of course, if you give them your money. And by all means, they require you to give sacrificially. Can God heal? Of course He can. I'm living proof of that because I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for His miraculous healing. But God's healing needs to align with the process He has for you. And can God provide financially? Again, of course He can. I've seen that also. Not that I'm rich or anything like that. But again, it has to align with this process for you. Biblically speaking, God is much more interested in the process He wants to accomplish in your life and through your life than in your worldly well-being. I'm going to say this again. Biblically speaking, God is much more interested in the process He wants to accomplish in your life and through your life than your worldly well-being. I can be healthy today and dying tomorrow. Or I can be okay financially today and not have much of anything tomorrow. It should all line up with what He wants. Here is this very simple yet incredibly deep concept. Jesus Himself, the Son of God, said before dying on the cross while praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it is Your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Yours be done. Everything should be subject to God's will. We don't have power. The power is all His through His Holy Spirit. If things operate in your life in ways that don't align with God's Word, and everything seems to be magically going well, you may want to think about who is granting your petitions. Maybe it's someone that wants you to continue down the dark path, fat, dumb, and happy. So if your selfish ambitions and requests get answered, you really need to think about what is going on? 
In closing, there are many other false doctrines out there, a world full of lies that sound like the truth. And that's why the most important thing is to be fearful of God, to have a heart with good intentions that wants to remain faithful to Him no matter what the circumstances are. You will be easy prey for Satan if you would rather satisfy your own sinfulness than to obey God. But think about this for a moment. In the long run, don't you want to be right before the eyes of the Lord, the one that ultimately determines what happens with your life and where you wind up eternally? Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you for your guidance, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need more of your truth. I need more of your truth, Lord. I need more of your word. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that at the end of the day or at the end of time, you are the one that's going to say yay or nay. You are the one, Lord God, that is the answer to everything and the one that will judge and the one that will make things turn out the way they need to turn out. Heavenly Father, help us to keep in mind, Lord God, that what sin is, and we just need to stay away from it. And Lord God, we help us to keep in mind that we need to stay away from stuff that, that's ultimately not good for us, Lord. Lies never, never helped anyone. Help us, O oh Lord, to stay away from Satan's lies. Help us to understand when there are his lies, when there is deceit, Lord God. No matter how attractive and how nice it may sound to us, Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to be attracted to your truth. Help us to understand the value of your things, of what you teach us to do, Lord God. And help us to be able to have the will and the strength, Lord God, to be able to do those things that you want for us to do. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you, you just have mercy on us, O Lord. I give you thanks and I praise you. I pray for each of our listeners, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may work in a mighty way in their lives, in their families' lives, Lord God, and that they might be able to remain faithful to you, to your word, Lord God, and that you might be able to do the great and wonderful things that you can do because you are a God of miracles. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord God. But help us to understand that we need to do things your way and not Satan's way, and not our own way. Help us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, may God bless you. Till next time.